0: you're listening to the common fan podcast a husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan
1: welcome back to the common fan podcast i am tj burkle as always alongside maddie owens senior and geoff in lincoln it's almost March common fans. And that means spring ball is nearly upon us. Is there anything better when you're heading to the late, when you're reading the latest practice report, watching an interview with one of the coaches or listening to the common fan podcast, than having a delicious juicy steak from certified Piedmontese, or maybe you prefer ribs in the smoker burgers on the grill or a nice slow cooked beef roast for the Sunday family dinner. Whatever it is, you can find everything you need at your local Mercado Butcher Shop at 30th and Yankee Hill or 84th and Havelock in Lincoln and also at 162nd and Maple in Omaha. You can also go to cpbeef.com to get certified Piedmontese products shipped right to your front door anywhere in the United States. Certified Piedmontese, powering the Husker football team and powering the Common Fan Podcast. Our guest today served as the managing director of Hale Varsity Magazine, covering Nebraska sports for a decade. He's a member of the Football Writers Association of America, and most recently, he is the co-creator of The Counter Read, a new newsletter aimed at sharing great stories, ideas, and discussions around Nebraska athletics. We are talking about Brandon Vogel. Brandon, thanks so much for joining the Common Fans today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Excited to to chat with you guys. Well, we're very excited to have you. So, we we wanted to jump right in on one of your recent columns. Um, one of your recent columns for the CounterRead newsletter, uh, which all common fans should check out. By the way, um, it's titled "What Happened to the Huskers' Home Field Advantage?" Now, if I read it right, you were prompted to take a look at this issue after the Action Network. Put out rankings for college football home field advantage going into the 2024 season, and Nebraska came in at 120th. Uh, Yikes! Let's shoot shoot us straight. Has Nebraska lost its home field advantage? (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) well, there's a couple of caveats uh, to that. So, this is from the Action Network, which is you know a a a site that is sports gambling focused but they they do really good college football coverage in in my opinion and it goes beyond just that whether you're you're into that or you're not i look at the point spread as as kind of valuable data in in a lot of different ways um and, and and generally like when you're looking at okay nebraska's a four point favorite over rutgers or whatever um that's that's factoring in two and a half points for home field depending on on where that's at mm-hmm. so what this action network model does is it, it kind of adjusts that based on based on results over the past 10 years but also the past three uh and the past three are, are, are weighted a little bit more and um mm-hmm. nebraska i like i think we have a sense that what well, we've known the past well basically from 2017 on nebraska's just straight up record uh in terms of home struggles you know that's a little tougher to pinpoint maybe just off the top of your head but like the big home wins there's there's not a ton that have that have been there of late so i i knew nebraska wasn't going to be in the the top 25 or even the top 40 here that said i was a little bit surprised to see it all the way down at 120th to the point where I was kind of wondering what's going on and I don't have an answer. I kind of put forth my, my theories in in that column that you mentioned Uh, because Nebraska does stand out as a place that like it's, it's still sold out. Like the fan turnout has not diminished despite struggles of, you know, the past five, six years, certainly the past decade, the past (laughs) this century, depending on, on what your standard is. So, so all of that struck me as, mildly surprising. Uh so I kind of dove into like what could this what could this be about? Why are the Huskers and this specifically measures against the spread, which I know from a like on game day you don't care about that, right? It's just like, did they win, did they lose? But in terms of trying to measure how often a team performs to expectation above or below, it's useful. Um and, and they've been way better on the road over the past 10 years than they have been home.
0: Well, I, I definitely thought Brandon that your article is extremely interesting, um, but I am I'm, I'm kind of like that, you're like Matt a,
1: is that because you're a degenerate gambler and you love the action no movie? no
0: no 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 TJ uh, <laughs> none of that going on here in the Owens household no I just you know 120th that's I mean that's pretty dang bad I mean I would I, I wouldn't say we've we've been as near nearly as good as we used to be at home in you know on our home field. But you know, basically, what is there? One hundred and twenty-five teams in in FBS. Hundred. I mean, that's got to be close to the bottom, is my point. Um, So I'm just like, I'm with you, like figuring out. Okay, and I know you had like three theories on this, but I'm like, I'm I'm reading this, going like, how did they calculate these rankings other than like performance or like you kind of said against the spread, and. I guess how else would you measure something like that if you're not, if you know, if you're not doing it by point spread, I mean, cause otherwise it's just basically opinion based, right? Like we know, okay. LSU is really tough death Valley at night, all that stuff. Um, I, I just thought it was very interesting too. Like you.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the way to, to try and measure it. If you're serious to kind of get into like, okay, we assume two and a half points is, is kind of standard across college football. Right. Um, who is it actually that for who isn't it? And, um, with the addition of Kennesaw state, there are 134 teams, I think going into 2024. Wow. The only power, power conference team that's below Nebraska in those rankings from the action network is Vanderbilt. And, um, I've never been to a game at Vanderbilt when, when Nebraska played in the music city bowl there in 2016, (laughs) I went and covered their practices there. Um, you know, Pretty nice facilities, all things, considering that they're like in the middle of a, you know, one of the fastest growing American cities that there is. But um, it's just nobody compares the Vanderbilt home experience to to what you get at Memorial Stadium. And if you look at if you look at Nebraska's straight up record, it doesn't look that bad. It's it's not as good, I think, as as what you would expect or what Nebraska needs to get where it wants to go. Uh, but then you have to ask, well, y- you get a schedule at least to, you know, non-conference games, which you're at very little risk of losing each year. That's just kind of built into to how college football works. And and then beyond that, you know, you're you're subject to to the Big Ten schedule. So in this case, go at, using against the spread is kind of the baseline. Make things look worse for Nebraska, certainly. Um, but I think it's actually probably closer to, to reality of, of the past decade of, of Husker football.
3: Gotcha. Fascinating. Um, After looking at it and reading a little bit, Brandon, and your column discusses it in detail, but there's a lot of different theories that you float as far as why the Huskers struggle at home. Um, And we all have our own theories. Obviously I have my own. I mean, fans probably get tired of eating, you know, warm cabbage, hot pockets from Runza or, the overpriced Valentino's pizza. Um, okay, that's my sure, theory. Okay, slander. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry,
1: Brandon. We, we got our uh, in-house George Costanza here. Uh,
3: that's just my theories. But for you alone, do you have a specific theory or idea of why you think personally the Huskers have struggled at home yourself?
2: Yeah, I mean, so the first like the first thought that popped into my mind was like, well, maybe it's just because Nebraska hasn't been very good overall. And mm-hmm. so I went to that's uh, probably the right answer. Like, well, yeah, and I went and tabulated <laughs> their, you know, against the spread record on the road myself because that was kind of like my first check, and and they were good there they, over the past ten years. They're ranked fifteenth nationally against the spread in, in terms of being better than the number that's out there. So that one was off. Then I wondered, like, so I started covering Nebraska in 2011, so the end towards the end of the Bo Pelini era, and I was like, you know. Bo was was a coach who really pushed the the us versus them button a lot, in my opinion. Um, And it's easier to do that on the road than in front of 90,000 adoring fans, right? But Riley wasn't that way. I felt like the Frost era was a little bit, or it became that way. And I don't feel the rule era is that at all. So you got kind of this mix of approaches. So I kind of threw that theory out. And I, I kind of landed on what has been the theory that I have for why has Nebraska struggled, you know, again, your, your time frame may vary, but they haven't won a, a conference title since 1999. Right. So we can take 2001 kind of on, and there were some good years in there for sure. Um, where Nebraska hasn't been the top 10 program. It has been historically. I mean, that's, that's fair enough to say. Yeah. Um, why, why did that happen? And I come back to this idea a lot. And I think it could factor into how the Huskers play at home, where like everything about being a Nebraska football player right now, um, I can only assume doesn't feel that much different than it did in 2001. Right. Like the facilities are, have always been great. The fan support is always there. Yeah. The stadium is always full the attention at for myself, like as a media member, you know, I've been there with 40 plus people waiting to get into practice and that, that doesn't happen everywhere. It, it really doesn't. So like everything about this, like Nebraska is covered and consumed. Um, like it was, it was 1995 again, the, the whole time, which is great. I mean, these are all positive things, but as Nebraska has just kind of not gotten over the hump, never been able to string it together to be like, okay, this program's kind of getting back to where it's supposed to be. I wonder about the weight of that. And I don't know, you know, like, again, this is still just a theory, um, but it's something that I kind of sense when I'm around the program or have at times of just like, you know, everybody here is working so hard to get this back to what it is or what it was. What kind of toll does it take when you kind of consistently just end up a little bit short? And I don't know the way to, like, break through that if it's if it's real to any degree. Um, but that's kind of my unifying theory of of why hasn't this worked at Nebraska, you know, post
0: basically, well,
2: Tom Osborne, I guess, to that level. But
0: Greg <laughs> yeah. Sillage or Bo Pelini. Yeah, that's fascinating.
3: It is. All you're common Run- fans. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Are you a a fan, Brandon? Be honest. This is a judgment-free zone.
2: I, I am I am a Runza fan, so okay, I fine. I, can't, I, can't,
3: all right. I can't
1: go with you. Most, on that one. most people are, Jeff. I don't know why you're on this crusade, but most people are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All common fans can check out the counter read newsletter at counterread.com. And I would highly recommend it. I have to say, Brandon, uh to that exact point that was maybe the hardest part to read. Uh, and, and it was sort of hard to read and not think about our overall slide as a program going back however long it's been, right? You, you can say it's eight years, you can say it's 20 years, you could say it's closer to 25 years. Um, but you know about that point about, you, know, you say, quote, what if Nebraska's biggest hurdle to get back to greatness is the increasingly heavy weight of its past greatness? And you go on to say, quote, What if Nebraska has been better on the road because it isn't in Nebraska? And I got you know, as as a as a common fan, that's painful to hear, but we can also relate to that. I mean, I feel like you can feel it in Memorial Stadium. You can feel it watching on TV. There's almost a desperation among the fan base, whether it's to beat Iowa to get to six and six, or it's at the beginning of the year to hopefully start a a promising new run there's just this like hunger and desperation to get back to, I'll say, I'll say relevance, even more, more so than greatness right now.
2: Yeah. And you know, I was, um, I was a little bit nervous kind of writing those sections and I tried to be very careful to like, like, I didn't want this to come across as like, look, the fan support and the media coverage here. Well, I don't care about the media coverage piece of this. The, The fan support here is the problem. Like if you guys had stopped showing up, a long time ago, maybe things would have gotten done quicker. Like that's, that's (laughs) not my point at all. Um, So, so hopefully it it didn't come across that way. No. Um, But it's just, it's uh, I've sensed it in Memorial stadium too, where, and I think Nebraska's run, you know, we heard all about frost and and the record in one score games. And that didn't change, you know, this year with rule like maddeningly and it it just feels like things things can really turn quickly and and it makes a lot of sense because you know husker fans particularly over these last six seven years have seen so many like wins kind of or losses snatched from the the jaws of victory um just bizarre stuff and it it would be it would be more remarkable if there was no sense of that around the program and there was no sense of it around the fan base, then there being that sense, because that just seems somewhat natural and realistic to me with, with the way things have gone.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I, I mean, I know reading your article, um, the focus is, you know, most specifically about the Huskers performance at home at Memorial stadium, but it sort of begs the question, um, just how did how did things ever get so bad do you think is there is there one turning point for you or do you think there's just several several you know missing puzzle pieces along the way or things are you know too many left turns along the way um to where things got this way
2: yeah it's tough to it's tough to think of um and I've tried like this is a topic that fascinates me um and just like I love college football a lot like the whole sport um and I like thinking about um how programs win what they do I'm I'm pretty interested in the the coaching coaching mindset and, and there's just if, if there's a big thing that that unifies Nebraska football and it's struggles um it's not so much the changes in the coaching staff um There have been a lot of those and it's tough to be consistently good when that's the case. There were also so many changes in leadership and the athletic director chaired there. So like we go back to Bill Callahan, you know, Steve Peterson kind of had this idea of like, I don't know if the option era is going to continue working in the future. Like, here's here's my chance like i think we got to go a different direction as Mm -hmm. as the guy at the top of the heap he gets to make that call and we we know that you know well we don't know about the option piece of it but in terms of the coach they selected it didn't work out um so if there's kind of a i don't know i tend to look at everything post osborne like frank solich has gotten a very kind reevaluation not that his results didn't merit that but i remember in well, you know the day that he got fired i wasn't working in media at the time i was just as interested in it as i am now and, you know and that's it's it's not like there was revolt over that i mean not that there can be you know right there were people who i, I would include myself who kind of saw peterson like yeah maybe recruiting sleep sleeping a little bit maybe option isn't going to be like what you can be running in 2023 so we got to think about this and he made that choice um And the thing I hear now from from, you know, a lot of fans and I've heard over multiple years is like there, you know, the expectation isn't for Nebraska to be what it was from from 94 to 97. And, you know, that's that's very realistic, but kind of Solich and and Polini in retrospect. Yeah. Maybe they hit it. Maybe that's like what what Nebraska's kind of natural state is in today's college football, where you're like, you're nine, ten wins. And but the problem is just like from a human behavior perspective, I think, like fans of any team in the country are bound to get tired of being at one spot because you always want to believe that there's there's a little bit a little bit more out there for you. So it's just it's kind of the shifting. Times shifting leadership, you think about the decision to fire Bo Pulidi, Uh you know, we kind of knew that there was tension there between Eichhorst and, uh, and, and and Bo, but beyond that, like, the optics of it from a record perspective were really, really tough. Yeah. Um, but even that at the time that it happened, you know, was fairly split. We had the, the bow levers and the bow levers. Um, <laughs> so, uh, wow. it, it's just one of those things where I think the timing of this all plays, plays a major role. And and I also think like the advantage programs like Nebraska have is they get the most swings at the plate with the most resources that said hiring coaches is really hard. And, it's, it's, it's pretty random when you get down to it. Yeah.
1: This is probably not totally fair. And I'm not trying to take us down a separate rabbit hole, but I will remain convinced forever that it was like hiring Riley. (laughs) And, And you could say that you could argue we should have fired Bo or we shouldn't have fired Bo, but if you're going to pull the trigger and fire the nine and three coach, you better go money whip a proven winner and Mike Riley is a really nice man but he's a career 500 coach coming into a conference he's never coached in and you're asking him to do the best coaching job of his life late in his career now that's i'm not trying to let frost off the hook I'll never not be shocked at how the frost era went but sorry I had to get that off my chest we could do we probably just, need to calm do TJ do, okay, we need to do multiple <laughs> episodes on on the on the poor decisions that were made for our beloved Husker program um but that that's it for me
3: now i well i mean we've spent just a good chunk of time talking about you know why we have such a poor uh record and uh, our home field advantage has just gone down the crapper for lack of a better term but let's talk about how we can fix it and ultimately it lies with fans and or excuse me with the players and coaches um and there's a lot of different theories I think and you even mentioned it earlier Brandon you said just some of the like the one score losses were just so bizarre and for a while there I was like it's almost like otherworldly like the football gods just don't want us to win and so that brings me to the point of is there any like you know rituals we can do anything that we can do to <laughs> right the ship to Tusker fans whether it's burning old memorabilia that maybe we wore during games when we lost um, uh, maybe, you know, kicking Bill Callan or Callahan or permanently banning him from the state. Uh, you don't want to know any of my personal opinions because usually mine end in some sort of like human sacrifice and it gets really, really dark. <laughs> so I don't want to go there. But for real, like uh how do we fix this thing fan-wise? Can we do this ourselves or is it just solely based on the players and the coaches on the field?
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I wish there was a uh, a fan solution to to this, but I, I honestly I, I honestly don't know that there is and I think this is the hill that Matt Rule is trying to climb right now and he'll talk about it you know he's talked about it more than once of like just and it sounds like cliche and it sounds like coach speak but um, I think it's really the thing of the guys just got to go play like and it kind of goes to the the home field piece of this where i think you kind of get some residual buildup of like oh yeah i remember when we almost had michigan beat right before they were going to go on go on the run that would lead them to a national title in 2023 um and then we fumbled and and you know there were still players on the team in 2023 who, who were part of that so so that piece of it um like it's, it's tough. You know, my experience has been when trying to write or talk about it in forums like this is like, people get kind of iffy with, with culture. Like some people just don't want to hear about it. I tend to think, um, it's kind of everything at, at the college level. Um, and, and particularly if you're a program like Nebraska, like Nebraska is, Nebraska is not going to recruit like Ohio state or Georgia or Alabama. It's just, it's just not. And I don't, I'm not sure it ever did. Even when it was was winning all the games that that it did, um, so if if you're not going to just like out talent 98 of of college football, which is a great advantage if you can do it, um, you got to have something else. And what I've noticed with the the rule era so far is he seems to be really focused on what I call the craft of of playing football, like if you want to block somebody and you're, you know, an offensive guard, like you just got of want to be good at it for the sake of being good at it. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of ties into the theory that I yeah. had about home field where like, there's so much extra stuff about Nebraska. Like, Oh, isn't it amazing? We get to play here. Isn't it amazing this? And and it's all like natural, but at the end of the day, you just need like, and I think, I think Nebraska of the Osborne era into the Solich era had this, like, you just kind of got to be focused on, on being good at it for the sake of being good at it.
3: Well, it's more reasonable of an answer than the guy I work with. He's a firm believer that uh, we just need to bring back jock straps. Apparently compression okay. shorts aren't getting the job done. Now he used to work in the athletic department, had those things out just a box of Duke or a Duke jock straps for everybody. We'll write the ship. We're going to be good. Trust me.
2: Oh, wow. I, I, I love that theory, particularly <laughs> uh, knowing that he used to work there like commit to it
0: just be just be <laughs> yeah. just be about it
3: just own it is this
0: the, is this All the right. same guy that you were telling us was a was a dinner roll expert
3: yes absolutely the oh, same okay. guy Yeah. okay nice. yep.
0: mm-hmm. oh i don't i don't know how much we can trust coming out of his mouth then yeah king
1: Hawaiian. put Geoff uh in lincoln on uh, on the on the pro jock strap uh, side I'm, of the jock strap yeah. duty um brandon i was interested um at your question about how or at your statement about how much you love college football and sort of you're interested in the intricacies of it. I'm curious, I've kind of wrestled with some things as we look at the rapid changes in college football. And that's, you know, the ship, the conferences that are not really what we grew up with anymore. And of course the transfer portal and NIL, which makes it feel sometimes like, you know, free agency on steroids, you know, even in the NFL, you actually have a contract. So once you go somewhere, you have to stay there for three or four years, which we don't even have in college right now. Um, and there's some things that, you know, it's sort of like this balance of like, if for Nebraska to be good, we have to be on the cutting edge of NIL. But at the same time, some of these things make you feel a little bit uneasy. Um, I'm just kind of curious if 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 you have any thoughts of like where college football is, where it's going. Is this all is this still gonna be the game that we all grew up loving? And my own my own belief is that it's impossible for me to envision a day when I see the boys in red running out of the tunnel. And I see those helmets with the with the N on them, and I like don't feel the same old feeling, right? Like I I feel like I'm all like, college football is so great for so many reasons, and it'd be really really hard to screw that up. But I am curious of in your opinions about kind of or your opinion about sort of the direction things are going. These ra- we, it doesn't it feels like we don't know where this ends, and that's a little bit unsettling.
2: Yeah, we d- we don't know where it ends. I, I guess the good news. Um well, I don't know if it's news, it's it's my opinion, <laughs> would be, um, I think the piece of it that you just connected with is, is safe. And that's that will always keep college football feeling like college football. A Saturday in Lincoln is going to be a Saturday in Lincoln. And it's going to, you know, a Saturday in Tuscaloosa or Athens or Ann Arbor, South Bend, um, you know, it – you can't you can throw up all the ads you want you can throw up ads for like companies you'd rather not be there whatever whatever it is you know the band's going to be there it's going to be you know uh a sport that's played attached to 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 a university and 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 i think like for me as a just a consumer of college football largely at home for the most part watching it on tv like i still get those feelings too through through the televised game now um you know that said everything around it i think we are headed towards basically nfl nfl light certainly between the big 10 and the SEC. so i guess good for nebraska that they're in that in the end group um and and that part of it troubles me because part of what what I love about college football is is all the conferences. Like I grew up in like very far western Nebraska, much closer to Wyoming and South Dakota than than Lincoln or Omaha. And like I love checking in on Wyoming football. They've got a great stadium. It's it's a beautiful place to see a game. Um all of those things. So it's always kind of troubled me as we talk through various playoff scenarios and I know that like this is this the state of the game. Like it is what it is. I I maybe am unique in that. Like sure, I'll I'll watch Wyoming Appalachian State on a Thursday night. Absolutely, yeah, hand up. Um, <laughs> but um, like I I don't understand why you don't go to a twelve team playoff and not include every conference champion. Like if if I were doing it, that's that's what I would do. And like I'm not worried about whether or not you know the the mac champion gets blitzed in the first round if they do they do but at least they had a chance to to get there and play it but it's 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 all consolidating on on the player piece of this on the student athlete piece so with the transfer portal and NIL stuff like the pendulum was so far swung in the NCAA's favor for basically its entire history up to this point that mm-hmm. I'm kind of with that piece of it. I'm like, let it let it swing to the other side, and, and it'll sort itself out. There, it's not perfect. Um, there, there are pieces of NIL and the transfer portal. I think as it relates to the calendar specifically, that need to get worked out and will in in the future. But I think the good news is is like you go to Memorial Stadium ten years from now. It's probably not going to feel that different than than when you went there as say a ten year old, and and that's what we have and, and what we need to hold on to.
3: Yes, love that,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I love seeing Matty O in particular was smiling at uh your talk. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a consumer. He's a heavy consumer of Maxion, Pack twelve after oh, yeah. dark pretty much any and we we all love college football but i don't know how you find the time with your little children matthew but
0: uh well that's it, why the, was... the late that's why the late games are the best for me cuz then everyone's yeah. in bed and i could i can find <laughs> i can usually find a game that's why i'm going to miss pack 12 after dark i hope there's yep. i hope there's big big 10 after dark now we'll see
1: <laughs> um so back to the huskers brandon you know we we sort of reached that point where we we've won the off season again or we're winning the off season the vibes in, in Husker Nation are, are pretty sky high. You know, we landed Dylan Riolà. We filled most of the roster needs, you know, uh, several through the portal, but also, you know, really good high school recruiting class. I think there's a lot of belief in Matt Rule right now. And then the other thing that's really intriguing for 2024 is how the schedule lines up, you know, pretty pretty dang nicely for the Huskers. So in your opinion, what's your, what's the ceiling for this Husker team? in 2024 and you know if if you say 12 and 0 we won't run you off the show i mean that'd be
2: fine yeah um i'm, I'm too much of kind of uh stats and analytics adjacent to say 12 and 0 because i know how hard that is <laughs> but i think i honestly think the ceiling is double digit wins um no that's not where i would i would have nebraska um I mean, I've kind of done a whole off-season suite of, of stories on, on counter-read because this is like the stuff I'm really into. And I kind of like January and February because it allows me the opportunity to do stuff like this. You know, Nebraska's wind total opened at seven and five. I, I took the first SP plus ratings from ESPN and basically kind of engineered them for my own purposes to up kind up of point spreads and win probabilities. That came out at 7.3 wins. So I think that's 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 a pretty realistic baseline for, for Nebraska with this schedule is you're, you know, between 7 and 8. You get a little fortunate, um, you know, if – well, I think – I guess the way I put it in in one of our newsletters was conditions are favorable for Nebraska to take a big jump right now. Like, mm-hmm. they have the experience, number three in ESPN's returning experience – returning production rankings they were number four in those from action network which tends to correlate with you know a a jump um so there's that piece of it they've got the schedule they don't have to leave they don't have to leave lincoln for the first four weeks they're probably you know there's a long time to go before before we play the actual games but right now probably favorites are close to coin flips in their first seven games so none of that guarantees anything and i'm not trying to say it does but like matt rules time to like strike is is now and i think i get the sense that they kind of know that It's, it's nothing you you know you talk about with the players i don't think in in those terms but your actions become like hey we've got an opportunity here um so that's, you know, here we are in February, it's a long ways to go, but that's, that's kind of the general setup for me. And, and like, if this were the opposite, you know, if the schedule was really tough and they were re- replacing a ton of key people, I'd say, I'd say the opposite, like, I kind of don't have a, a stake in the game, but, and I, I tend to look at these, this information for like all teams in college football and be like, oh yeah, Virginia tech, they're probably probably going to be pretty good this year because they return everybody and blah, 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 blah. Nebraska happens to be in that group this year. And, uh, so that's good. I think there are two, you know, well, the big key thing, and we'll learn a little bit more about it as as spring football goes on, what level of quarterback player are you going to get? Who's it going to be? I mean, we assume it's going to be Dylan Raiola. Um, if that's the case, uh, how good is your quarterback? Player? That might, that might be the ceiling center. Um, in addition to all the stuff you kind of can't control, injuries, et cetera.
0: Sure. Well, Brandon, I'd I'd love to get uh, I, I guess some thoughts on Coach Rule. We've talked about him a little bit here tonight, but um, coaches has absolutely embraced uh, being the head coach of Nebraska. Maybe more so than than uh, you know anyone who we've seen for a long time. Um, he's he's all over Lincoln. The high school coaches in the state love him. He's popping in small town bars. He's at basketball games. Uh, developed sounds like they developed a little bit of a relationship with Coach Osborne. Um, we on this podcast, and I think thousands and thousands of other Husker fans think we've got the we've got a, got the right guy. At least got a pretty good one. Um, do you think he plans to stay in Lincoln for a while? Do you think he'll be here long term? I do. Um the best I
2: think way I can relate that the when the news came out that that he was Nebraska's pick and you know I think he was officially introduced like a day later um was was roughly the timeline with that my one of my first thoughts was and you know I spent a bunch of time you know, looking at various coaching candidates. It's kind of another <laughs> passion of mine of like seeing what which coaches are undervalued or overvalued, et cetera, et cetera. Matt um, Rule was clearly, you know, in that group of, of people that um, outlets mentioned right away as a coach who was available, coach with a proven track record. But, but one of my first thoughts was, was like, okay, so if Nebraska wants to keep that rule, they need to kind of root for James Franklin to stay safe at at Penn State. Um, it's where Rule, I mean, he grew up in New York, but he played his high school football in State College, obviously played college football as a walk-on at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of connect the dots of, oh, alma mater. Um, I mean, it's what, it's what happened with Scott Frost to, to Nebraska, right? So you always worried about that piece of it through his time at Nebraska, which is a little more than, you know, a year now, like, I don't have that concern as much anymore. Like, I, I get the sense, like, you know, if Penn State opened, like, y- you'd still be nervous about it. But I get the sense, like, I think he thinks he can do it here. Um, and, and I think he, he he has found a place that uh, kind of gives him a good mix of, like, okay, your ceiling, like – like if you get this as good as they can get it your ceiling is Nebraska's historical ceiling um versus you know jumping someplace else where uh, a lot of those things are are often more in flux and he's got a he's got a good relationship with with Trevor Alberts and Nebraska I think as a place suits him as as well which is maybe maybe the key thing yeah
3: for sure love that uh well you kind of alluded to it before too and just talking about the ceiling as far as record goes, but um, in terms of just the offense in general, I mean, it's no secret that, that last year, the the offense really wasn't our strong suit, so to speak. Um, for a lot of our wins, the defense is what kept us in is, and got us a lot of those wins. But with the additions of Glenn Thomas as co-offensive co coordinator, obviously Dylan Riola coming on uh, as quarterback, um, I think it's fair to say that we might see some hopefully significant upgrade in the offense this next season. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we're going to see a significant change on that side of the ball? Hopefully.
2: Yeah, I think, I think they'll definitely be better. Um, be careful here. Cause I don't want this to be a, as a, red as a slight towards last year or, or any of that. But you know, I mentioned, right. Oh you know, we've been the- we've been
1: pretty open about our thoughts about the offense last year. <laughs> okay. So if you go back and
3: listen to a few episodes you'll get
1: it'll paint a pretty good picture. It out. might it might have gotten personal a few times. <laughs> fair, fair enough.
0: Um mostly mostly in regards to Marcus Satterfield but you know we weren't throw, we weren't throwing any kids under the bus or anything. We, no, we don't no. we don't want to go but, there.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the line I think that's that's fair yeah. to walk. Um you know, I, I I mentioned one of the things that might help set Nebraska's ceiling. Uh, or hurt I guess is is the level of quarterback quarterback play you're going to get but realistically when I step back and look at it just from all three quarterbacks Nebraska played in in 2023 like how far down from that could you really go like like realistically I mean just in terms of like team passer rating the the you know some of the more basic production stuff like it would be hard for Nebraska I think to not have we get to the end of 2024 and not be like, well, yeah, the, the passing numbers look better. They've upgraded a receiver. Um, and I mean, they had a good young core problem was last year. That was kind of all they had, um, you know, minus Billy Kemp, who I thought did a good job, but Nebraska struggled to get him the ball the way they needed to get him the ball. Um, So, so there's that piece of it. I mean, from a, from an office perspective, like, in college football, the average team scores about 28 points a game. And Nebraska's – so I always use that as, like, a, a level setter. Nebraska's defense was 10 points better than that. Um, Nebraska's offense was 10 points worse than that. Um, with the experience they have coming back on defense, I think they can stay in that range. I think offense, it's it's very likely that, that they will improve. Um, their experience on the O-line uh, – the, the the key thing was the I think they're up they're certainly upgraded at wide receiver we'll see a quarterback but probably upgraded there as well I'll be interested in the run game for as much as Nebraska ran it last year they were really devoted to it like what's that look like if Day Rayola is the starter and you have a little bit less of the the QB run game in there that's a little bit of a question mark for me, but yeah, I think, I mean, realistically, if, if Nebraska's defense stays at 18 points per game allowed, like if the offense gets to 24, um, that'd be, so it's touchdown improvement per game. You're, you're eight and four nine and three territory at, at that point, based on, you know, the college football that I've looked at over the past decade. Yes. There's,
1: there's agree, a lot 100%. about, there's a lot about this episode that's going to keep me warm but for, for,
0: for the for the
3: rest yes. of the winter
1: and I mean, thank you just, Brandon
0: the yeah, math yeah.
3: doesn't lie here guys this exactly. is just you know, in dollars exactly. and eight hey, i've been,
0: I, i've said it 8 and 4 I mean, I 8 and it. 4 in
1: 2024 8 and 4 in <laughs> 24 baby you've been saying that for a long time madio yes sir uh, Brandon you've been more than generous with your time uh, real quick tell us about the Counter-Read newsletter how can common fans find it where can they sign up uh why did you decide to do it kind of anything you want to share about it
2: yeah, you could uh you can find us at counterread.com. Um that's where I and, and my um co-creator co-founder Aaron Sorensen uh do our do our weekly newsletter. Well, it's, we send out two two posts a week that are subscriber only and then we usually end up doing two or three depending on if we're in football season or out. Uh, two or three free posts a week, so you can go there um, and and sign up for for free and, and get those free posts. And we hope that that's kind of a way in for people to test things out, see what see what we're about. Um, we have both we both have been on this beat for for a little over a decade, um, so, so some pretty good experience there. And uh, hopefully, people want to become paid subscribers um, and. The approach really appealed to me, you know, it's a, it's a Substack newsletter, which uh, kind of becomes the cliched thing do when you're a, a suddenly laid off uh journalist, which <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not <laughs> in a minority in, in terms of, of being in that group, but I kind of like just the, the honesty of it. It's like, Hey, here's, here's, here's what we do. Here's the coverage we provide. You know, we're not trying to be like the news. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of great journalists you guys have had a ton of them on this show, mm-hmm. um, covering Nebraska football. Um, and, and some of them, you know, are uh, that's, that's part of their, their direct beat. Um, we're trying to, to offer a little bit of a, a counterpoint, uh, a director's commentary for lack of a better term to, to the stuff that's, that's already out there. Um, and, and do it in a way that gets directly to people. Um, it's, it kind of I really appreciate the simplicity of the selling proposition. It's like, here's the thing we make. If you like it, love it. We'd love to have you hop in. We we have a good community building. If, you, if it's not for you, totally fine. Um, and and I think broadly, media has gotten very far away from kind of that basic level. You know, I kind of think of it as like the farmers market. You know, yeah. If you go to the farmers market and there's a guy like, yeah, this is what I make. Here it is. You can, if you want it cool if not um no no harm done this is what i do yeah um so keep walking uh, with your uh,
3: street corn your street corn. E- yeah yeah <laughs>
2: exactly so uh that wasn't that maybe wasn't a, a very good sales pitch it was all over the place but um that's 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 where that's where we're at with it oh
0: well, no I, thought, I, I appreciate it i appreciate uh and i've always enjoyed your work and and aaron's work and um and i love the play on words too the counter read it's just a great it's a great name for it <laughs> Yeah,
1: I agree, agreed. Common fans will know that I'm a lifelong, you know, born and raised in Lincoln, lifelong Husker fan. I currently live in Bend, Oregon, but the the hard copy of the Hale Varsity magazine was coming to my house in Bend for years. So a uh, big fan of, of your guys's work over the years and uh, you know, all common fans are always looking for ways to feed the addiction. So highly recommend you check out the counter read newsletter as one more Great. Excellent. Well done source of, uh, of Husker coverage, especially, especially in the off season when we're all just hankering for frothing at the mouth for any, any Husker coverage we can get. Um, well, Brandon, this has been awesome. Matt, Jeff, do you guys have anything else?
0: No, nope, I'm good. Thanks, Brandon. We appreciate you being on with us. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks a lot for having me.
3: Appreciate your time. I know it's later there where you're at. So really appreciate you coming on. No yeah, problem. Thanks
1: so much, Brandon. Everyone check out the counter read newsletter. We'll be back at you again soon, common fans. As always, GBR for life.